The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Well, hello, listeners in listener land. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. L.A. Wharton is on assignment and will be back shortly. We're glad that you're tuning in to listen to Intune today. We are a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community and the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. And today, a very interesting show, we're going to be giving an overview of Better Together. Better Together is a report that was given to the community. It is a group that is seeking to bring the city and county together with some pretty interesting kinds of uh, outcomes. What is all this hubbub or hullabaloo or consternation or gritting of teeth or grinding of fists into the pavement about better together? You know, uh, the city and the county, last week we had a, a review of a conversation that we had on the city and the county by Terry Jones that we had interviewed him last uh, summer. He's professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. As a matter of fact, he's going to be on next week to discuss Better Together and give us an update uh, from his perspective. But last week we, we played a, an interview, and if you missed that, you can go to iTunes or SoundCloud and you can catch that interview that we had. But he talked about his book, Fragmented by Design, Why St. Louis Has So Many Governments, and he talked about the history of why St. Louis has all these municipalities and why the city and the county aren't together anymore. And just as a summary of Dr. Jones' information, in 1875, there was an amendment to the Constitution of the state of Missouri to separate St. Louis City from St. Louis County. St. Louis County was the overall county, and St. Louis City decided to, hey, we want to do our own thing. And in 1875, they uh, got a constitutional decree to do that. In 1925, hey, I don't know if this is really working very well. Let's reunify. And there was an attempt made to amend the Constitution by a constitutional convention, and that failed. And then there was a board of freeholders. They tried to get some reorganization going, and that didn't work. That Board of Freeholders was a vote just from the city and just from the county. So when you amend the Constitution, you have to go to a statewide vote because there are other people in the state who follow the Constitution if you live in the state of Missouri, just not those of us who live in St. Louis City or St. Louis County. In 1930, there was a Metropolitan Federation called Greater St. Louis. They were trying to change the Constitution also to get the city and county back together. Well, that failed. And then in 1958-59, there was a metropolitan government lair effort that was led by some aldermen, and there were public meetings held, et cetera, et cetera. And this was more of on the Board of Freeholders situation, where it was just a vote of city and county, and that was an epic failure. And then in 1962, the borough plan was proposed to create a municipal county with some boroughs, kind of like the New York area. That was a constitutional amendment, and that failed. And then in 1982-84, there was civic progress. Many people remember civic progress. And they developed petitions to get a board of freeholders going. They, that kind of stalled and didn't go anywhere. In 1987, you may remember county executive, then county executive, Gene McNary, led an effort to combine the county municipalities and the city. And that was a failure also. And then we have what we're talking about today, Better Together. And I was thinking that is another name for this, we better get it together, or is better together, or maybe we're better together, or possibly better together. So here's Better Together. Better Together is a nonprofit organization formed out of a growing interest in the public in addressing the fragmented nature of local government in St. Louis City and St. Louis County. Now, I'm reading from Better Together's information. I'll be reading from some news articles. I have read their 180-page report it took me a little bit of time to get through. It's very informative, I will tell you that. It's very, very informative. In my opinions and and the discussion that Ellie and I are going to have about this today, we're going to give you the information. We just want to kind of help you. We want to unpack it for you a little bit so you understand it the best you can, the best we understand it. And then we're going to have more conversations on it. 
And next week, like I said, Terry Jones from the University of Missouri-St. Louis will be in to talk about it some more. So this Better Together group, it is a nonprofit, and you can find, as a nonprofit goes, you can find out who are donating to this. One of the donators, a lot of people are bringing up, is Rex Sinkfield, and he's donated a lot of money to this. But if you look at the list of names on there, it's a lot of uh, corporate St. Louis people, many uh, companies. Former Mayor Slay has donated to that. Current Mayor Krusen has donated that. But I didn't see County Executive Stinger's name on that list. Of course, maybe he was donating through some of his other people. Did I say that? Yes, I did. No, you didn't say that. <laughs> Ellie has joined us here. I'm back. Oh. Hi there. So better together, they ban- began exploring this issue and what they found out, and this is according to them, and I, I have a tendency to agree with them, that there was very little general collection of data from all the municipalities and all of the groups, the governmental groups in the metropolitan St. Louis area to formulate and to make some decisions. So there was just no clearinghouse of data where they could say, yeah, let's look at all of the, um, I'm just going to bring this up, let's look at all the police departments that everybody has. How many police officers do they have? How do they outfit them? What kind of certification do they get? Or let's talk about, gee, um, the city street department groups. How do they clean the streets? What kind of equipment do they have? How many miles do they cover? There, there was not this clearinghouse. So what Better Together did was they began exploring this and compiling data. And in response to the findings of all this data, they formed the St. Louis County City Governance Task Force to provide, quote, an independent perspective and offer recommendations for how our region might address its fragmented structure of government governance, unquote. So That all sounds a little lofty. But I think it really breaks down to economics. Well, well, you were going to talk about (laughs) that, folks. Ellie was hitting a nail on the head. There is a report by the Public Policy Research Center from the University of Missouri-St. Louis that says it's entitled An Equity Assessment of the St. Louis Region. It's very, very interesting. We're going to get into that in the second hour, the first half of the second hour. So stay tuned for that one. So what they did is they put a staff together. They have a board of directors. This is better together. Uh, Their primary data sources have been governments that were studied. Some governments didn't fill out all the information. You know, I can understand that. And uh, you can talk to somebody from Better Together. You can have somebody come talk to you about Better Together. They're, They're willing to do that. But they said, how is it funded? It's funded a nonprofit by donations from over 100 individuals, organizations, and corporations. And you can find the donors on their support page. A big thing, big, big thing, especially for people in St. Louis County, or as some people say, St. Louis County. And also a big thing for some people in outstate Missouri, outside of the St. Louis metropolitan area. Why will uniting St. Louis City and County be voted on statewide? Which to me is absolutely ridiculous. Do we get to vote on issues that are happening in Kansas City, Cape Girardeau, Hannibal, Cairo? Not Cairo, Cairo, not Cairo, Egypt. (laughs) Cairo. That's right, Cairo. Cuba, Lebanon. And not foreign Mexico? countries. Mexico. That's right. <laughs> hey, Ty. Yeah, exactly. We don't get to vote on those. Why would we allow folks that we are having a difficult enough time in this region understanding what's going on? Well, and here is the reason why. Okay. If I knew you go that you to, would know. Uh, if you go to make an amendment to the Constitution of the state of Missouri, you're amending the Constitution. So everybody who lives in the state of Missouri is a is impacted by that somehow. Everybody who is a resident of the state of Missouri has to give approval, has to vote on the constitutional amendment, just like the the cannabis kind of things that that came out on the last election. You know, all the marijuana, medical marijuana things. It was a statewide thing because it was a change to the Constitution. There were a couple that were propositions, but when you change the Constitution, as the Missouri Constitution is written— you can change it by initiative petition, okay, or you can change it on an amendment. But anytime you change it, all of the citizens have to vote who are eligible to vote. Now, that's a very interesting understanding. You know, I did not realize that, that that's really what we're doing is we're changing the constitution of the state. And here's why we're having to change the constitution. Let me go back. If we were just the city and county were voting, there would be a board of freeholders that would be organized to decide what the issues are. And then the city and county could vote. We, didn't, we wouldn't need people from Lebanon and Mexico and Haiti and all the other Cuba cities that are named countries. Right, right. Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> That's right. 
And just for some other information, there's 114 counties in the state of Missouri, 312 townships, 955 cities and villages, 1,837 special districts, and 534 independent school districts. Now, just to make this clearer, I'm not trying to muddy the process. There are some differences in how cities, there's third-class cities, there's fourth-class cities, there's townships, there's villages. You know, St. Louis County is a county, and we know that St. Louis City, we call it a county, but it actually is an independent city. So it has special laws. Like you read some of the Constitution, and you'll see all these things that are talking about counties, and then there's this whole other section just for St. Louis City because they're an independent city. Now, what Better Together wants to do is they want to form a new name. They want to have a new governmental entity called a metropolitan city. So if you're forming something new and you want it to go into the Constitution, you have to have everybody vote on it. The other reason why they talked about that this needs to be a statewide vote is because what they're part of what they're wanting to do is consolidate some of the judicial districts. There's the 21st and the 22nd judicial circuits here, uh, St. Louis County, St. Louis City. They want to combine that into one. Well, to have the authority to do that, it has to be a constitutional authority. To do some of the things they want to do, they need constitutional authority. And so when they wrote their little, and it's not little. No, it's not. 180-page document. pages. And at the back of it is the proposal to amend the Constitution, all of the things that they want to do are in there. And once it's approved, then they have the authority to do what they want to do. Now, let me ask you, if this were to pass, will we lose our name of Webster Groves, Rock Hill, Shrewsbury, Warson Woods, Glendale? Would we still be called those those names? We would be called, uh, we would still have those names, but we wouldn't be a city. So we, we would, would not have our own mayors or... Oh, we would have our own. Officers and we we would we would have those things, and I'll kind of get into okay. that a little bit because that's what's so confusing. I think to many people is we it's like are we giving up everything? Do we no longer have our own city halls, our own fire departments and police departments? Are we at the mercy of? I will tell you this: we will have our own fire department. We will not have our own police department. Okay, I have an issue with that, but that's okay. There will be one police department. One police department. Will all of our policemen then be absorbed into that one police department? Yes. And then they're assigned wherever? Yes. So we would not have neighborhood policing? We might. It depends upon what the chief of that big police department wants to do. One chief? One chief. Okay, a lot well, of little chiefs. A lot of little chiefs. Chiefettes, huh? <laughs> chiefettes. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to let you continue on because, you know, my, my mind is spinning. You, I know you can see it. Okay. Not my head, but my mind. Well, you're not spinning in your chair either, not so that's yet, good. Not yet, but I'm sure by the end of this two hours, I might be. Well, I tell you what, folks, after reading this, a lot of the information is extremely good, the data that they've collected. I don't know that I would come to the same conclusions, or I may come to the same conclusions, but I may not come to how they want to push it out. I think they've missed a step here. And all of the mayors in the county and even some board of aldermen are on a uh, commission group that, they, that they, they're always uh, talking about things like this. Matter of fact, our mayor's on that. Right. And they're putting their, their own thing together. As a matter of fact, the um, prior mayor of Shrewsbury, Felicity Buckley, contacted me just yesterday and she's also going to come on and do a 30-minute program during our Community Corner show to basically talk about what the mayors in this area have been doing. Right. And she contacted me and said, I want to talk about this on the air. It's important to talk about this. It's important that people understand because there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of, I want to say misinformation, but here's, here's what they say. Why will uniting St. Louis City and County be voted on statewide? The relationship between the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County is defined by the Missouri Constitution. And the pathway to change that relationship necessarily lies there. A statewide vote to amend the Missouri Constitution is necessary to create, here we go, the new forms of government, the metropolitan city and its municipal districts in the place of existing constitutionally defined governments and in order to implement the recommended reforms. So they're going to say the independent city of St. Louis, what we call St. Louis City, and St. Louis County will go away and it will be called the metropolitan city of St. Louis. 
or the metropolitan city. And then what we call the city of Webster Groves or the city of Shrewsbury or the city of Brentwood or the city of Rock Hill will be called a municipal district. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Will we still keep our zip codes? I know I'm asking all yes. kind of questions. We, okay, because I could see my mail going over to U City because <laughs> because there's a Cordell Avenue in U City and a Cordell Avenue here. Yeah, there's and a the sh- only thing that there's ch- a Sherwood in Overland. You know exactly. So I mean, those kind of issues are are serious issues. Where right. our, will our mail be delivered correctly? How about our school districts? School districts are un- unaffected. The post office that's a federal deal. So. Here's another question that they had. I heard that we could vote locally through a, quote, board of freeholders process. Why not do that? Okay. Which I kind of talked about a little bit. Okay, yes. See, I'm, I'm informed. I'm in tune. You are in tune. I'm in tune. So, folks, we want you to be in tune. That's why you're listening to this show right now. A provision of the Missouri Constitution does provide a limited path to altering aspects of the relationship between the city and county by a, quote, board of freeholders. The task force thoroughly explored this process as they, like many community members, were hopeful city-county unification could be voted on locally. However, a Board of Freeholders plan has significant limitations that present, pre- prevent the recommendations of the task force from being adopted. Better Together's whole idea is pretty encompassing. It's pretty, um, it's not like, let's erase this line on this whiteboard here. Let's uh, take the whiteboard off and put a new one up there. Right. Okay. That's, it's, these are some pretty significant changes. So to do that, they need a constitutional amendment to do that. But this would also open up, let's say, Kansas City. And then can we could all look at the situation in Kansas City and now all of a sudden make that one metropolitan area. Well, that's one thing that some in outstate Missouri are fearful of, that this kind of now change to the Constitution. That's one of the problems with the Missouri Constitution is you get enough signatures on a petition, you can go to a statewide vote for anything. For anything. I mean, when you think about Jefferson City and Columbia, you know, being close, you could say, okay, we're just going to make that one big area, you know, and now what happens is that we end up being a state that has these big metropolitan areas, but we've lost the beauty and identity of a local local field. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, like we say, it's kind of like with the president declaring a national emergency. They have to say, okay, it may work for you, but when somebody else gets in power, guess what? It works for them as well. That's right. And my other thing is, like, be careful what you wish for because you may get it. And when you get it, you may not like what you got. You can take any kind of data and look at it and say, oh, well, I could draw this conclusion. And somebody else can look at it and say, well, I draw this conclusion. I'm of the opinion that... This data would have been great to go to present to the mayor groups that that meet and say, hey, these are some things we've found. These are what can we do to get to the end goal of which Better Together has an end goal. Their their end goal is is for uh, I'll read these things here because I'm I haven't even gotten really. Well, I'm looking at it, it down says to create a government with a strong executive to support the implementation of a shared vision. Oh, don't get me started on that one. Okay, that all one's, right. That one's coming. Uh, <laughs> okay. That one's coming. So so they did this to public finance, economic development, public health, public safety, parks, and general administration. We'll get into that after the break. Well, here's an interesting statement. It says, to ensure the legislative body is professional and well-staffed. Well, that's another one I'll get into. Yeah, that is... Um, you know, the bigger we make government, the more, the bigger it goes. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that, you know, they say the recommendations developed are a significant step to addressing the change St. Louisans have expressed repeatedly is needed. Well, okay, well, that's that tells me right there where the focus is. It's addressing the change St. Louisans have expressed. And we are Webster Grovians and Rock Hillians and Shrewsburyans. Well, they could say we're St. Louis Countyans. Well, but... It has the prefix <laughs> St. Louis. That's right. Exactly. But nat, nat, nat. I don't, I don't buy it. Well, we're going to talk more about this uh, after the break, but uh, how, does, how is St. Louis County going to be on the hook for St. Louis City debt? They're not going to be. Is this a bailout of the city's debt? No. Are we diluting crime statistics? No, but actually, yes. Of course you are. Come on. So we're going to get into more of this. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. 
You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. She's back from assignment. And it was a wonderful assignment, working with uh, Church Women United and telling them about the station and also finding out more about what the different churches are doing in the area to continue to share the good news of Christ and to be of service to the people in our community. There you go. So we do we do quite a bit here at uh, KWRHLP 92.9 FM and also on Intune. So we've been talking about the big hullabaloo or hubbub or whatever you want to call it, better together. And one of the things I wanted to get into was this task force recommendations. And I'm reading from their documents, folks. So in order to do so, in order to find out the thoughts, concerns, and values of the public related to the potential governmental reforms, they conducted seven public forums, which were attended by a massive amount of people, 400. That is, that's massive. Now, there's 1.3 million people in (laughs) the city and the county, and 400 people attended these public forums. They collected 1,200 online engagement surveys, 1.3 million people in the St. Louis County and city area. They had 1,200 online surveys, 400 people attended the public forums, 250 stakeholder meetings were held to discuss all aspects of local governments. They don't say how many people showed up there. They had three youth engagement sessions with 45 participants, three large community events that drew over 500 attendees. That's nobody. Well, I don't want to say they're nobodies. I didn't mean it to sound that way. I'm just saying in terms of the numbers. The numbers, That is a very small percentage. So now I I want to read some other things that they say, and and it's true. These, their data is very, very good. You may not necessarily agree with their conclusions. You may not necessarily agree with the direction that they want to take their conclusions. But this sentence is true. When our region succeeds, we all succeed. And that's correct. When we are all focusing on helping our region be successful, we are all successful. Every group within our region, when we help every group within our region to be successful, everybody does. Here's some other things. Well, I'm just going to get to it. Let's just let's just cut to the chase. Well, no, when I'm looking at their uh, research report and they're talking about the internal competition, of course, for sales tax revenue, municipal fines and fees, they're talking about disparity in service, things like that. Um, and I haven't read through all of this, but again, when it talks about regional leadership and shared vision. Now, it is my understanding that many of the mayors in the area do not feel that there has been a shared vision. Their vision has not been shared. Well, as a matter of fact, the Municipal League of Metro St. Louis, which is a group of all of the mayors, most of the mayors of St. Louis County, and there's actually, I saw some, a Board of Aldermen person from St. Louis City on there, they have their own uh, vision of, of what they would like to see. And they feel like they've been shut out of this process. Right, that's exactly right. They feel like they have been ignored. And apparently, the Better Together group feels they have engaged the business and civic community, and they are running forward with this. So Better Together, before they began their work, they didn't have a a shared set of facts to define the issues. That's one of the big things they said. So they embarked on this five-year process. So they did in-depth studies on six areas, and here are the six areas. Public finance, economic development, public health, public safety, parks and recreation, and general administration. And what they wanted to find out were answers to these questions. What is the status quo of the service delivery? What are the best practices nationally to deliver those services? How does our region compare to those best practices? And what are scenarios for making appropriate changes to enhance the future? Now, those are great questions. And the data that they've collected is great. The questions that they asked were great. Thanks to the work they said of more than 10,000 residents, community stakeholders, civic leaders, and volunteers, we learned a lot. So here's, here's what they learned about our local government services, public finance. They talk a lot about fragmentation. They say fragmentation doesn't work. Also, incremental regionalism, it's not fast enough. So our region spends in excess of $2.3 billion annually for local government. Approximately 1.6 of that spending comes from local taxes. The remainder comes from fees. Okay, did you get that? Fees? Okay, so here's economic development. An obstacle for the region is inconsistent relationships between the city and the county, and there's this competition between municipalities. Like if, I'm just going to bring this up, if Walmart wants to build a new Walmart place, and you've got a bunch of people saying, gee, we'll give you a tiff in the amount of this, or we'll do this for you, we'll do that. You have municipalities like, I'm just going to name some, um, I'm going to name some on the other side of 270, Ellisville or Baldwin 
or Chesterfield or Wildwood competing for that group to come in there so they can grab those sales tax dollars and also get that property dollar. So TIFs and that kind of competition. Here's another one, public health. This was shocking to me when I read this, and I don't think the public knows this. So disease knows no boundaries. With residents of zip codes separated by a few miles, it can have a profound impact on your health, as much as an 18-year difference in life expectancy. So if you live in one zip code, you might live 18 years longer than somebody in a neighboring zip code because you might be in the county and they may be in the city. I need a little greater definition of that. That doesn't quite explain to me. Like if I live in Webster, am I going to have a a longer lifespan than uh, somebody that lives in Brentwood? Well, no, here's here's the thing. The city depends on grants for more than half of its $24 million budget, all right? Okay. While St. Louis County spends $57 million with the vast majority of its funding coming from a dedicated property tax. So if St. Louis City doesn't get these grants— their funding of their health department goes down. Right. And I'm looking at this on online where it says, and they use this, they say, because because of considerable residential segregation in St. Louis, many areas with high African-American populations are also areas with concentrated poverty and poor health. But we also know when we go back into the history of St. Louis, the high concentration of African-American communities was orchestrated. Right. The redlining. That's Right. With the covenants. All of, the, all of those all things of those are things. playing into why we are in the mess we are. And how many grocery stores are in North City? Exactly. You know, if you have to go to a 7-Eleven or a Quick Shop or a, a Circle K or something like that to get your food, and what kind of quality of food is it going to be? What kind of uh, caloric uh, intake are intake, you going to have? That's right. What kind of nutritional value is it going to have? They're not going to stock, you know, a lot of good stuff. That's no, no kale. Healthy. <laughs> no kale. <laughs> no at, kale. No kale at the Circle K. No, there aren't. There's no. Even though it's K, there's no kale there. It's not Circle Kale. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Here's another one: public safety. Now, this is divided up into three sections. Right. I'm looking the, at it. The first one is municipal courts. So, on the average, in Missouri. Missouri judicial circuits contain 8.6 municipal court divisions. In St. Louis County, there's 81. Municipal court fees in St. Louis City and County account for 46% of all fines and fees collected statewide, despite being only 22% of the population. And that's really significant because a lot of these fees are located on the north side of St. Louis City and the north side of St. Louis County. And a lot of these fees are... Traffic fees. Right. Drivers traveling from the Galleria to the airport. It says here they travel through 15 independent police jurisdictions during the 14-minute trip. Now, I don't buy some of the things that they said in there that they don't realize what the what the laws are there. Well, there's it, it's a speed limit sign. Okay? That's, that's what it says. How can you not know that if you're not paying attention? Now, granted, I will tell you this. If you're on the highway, it's one speed. Okay, but if you're going through municipalities, the speed limit can change. You just have to pay attention. Right. And there are certain places where they have set up their quote unquote little speed traps. Speed traps. That's right. Out by the airport, St. Anne, one of my favorite police departments, not because I've given them any money, but because they like to chase people all around. And then there are accidents causing. Am I really saying this on the air? You yes, are. I am. Yes, you are. Because this, is, I, I'm, I'm not in favor of a lot of these police chases. But that's a whole other show. That's a different show. I'm still but, working on that one. But that's a good point. So St. Louis, and they have double fines out in St. Anne. They used to in front of the airport. So double the fine. So if the fine was three hundred bucks, well, now you're six hundred bucks. Then you got to pay court costs. That's right. And who are the people traveling through there that they're chasing? They're chasing who? Who's living up there? Well. It's a predominantly African-American population, okay? I'm not saying that there's no whites that travel 70 in front of the airport, but I'm saying, I'm just saying. Right. You're more likely to travel in the area closest to your home. Right. Okay, so we got municipal courts. Here's the second part of public safety, policing. Today, there's 55 separate police departments covering St. Louis City and County. They tell you how much per capita is spent training, and they also say that, uh, gee, some of the police departments, they aren't... Uh, certified. They don't really provide consistent kinds of things to the people who work in the department. And I know from reading that many of the police departments now, since the 
Ferguson report have upped their certification and their requirements and are moving through that. They also quote in this report an example of one particular individual in law enforcement who went through about, I think, eight municipalities. They lost their job in one and went to a neighboring one and got hired there, worked there for about a year, year and a half, got terminated or left to go somewhere else. Well, that's not necessarily a problem of the municipalities, maybe, as much as it is as the state of Missouri not saying, oh, gee, uh, if you did something illegal, we're going to pull your Missouri certificate so you can't be a a law enforcement officer anymore. That's right. And then they also cite the disparity in, in income. I mean, I was looking at that right here, and they were saying the average officer pay across the region is 48659 Better Together's studies found that some departments' average officer pay was below 27000 More alarming was the finding that some part-time officers are paid less than $12 per hour. And hmm. they got a name badge and a police badge. And some are on the police reserve, and they're not supposed to serve as "quote unquote" officers unless they're in the accompanied by an actual right. officer. Because it says reserve officers typically have a lower level of training, are not paid, and are designed to be under the direct supervision of a fully licensed officer at all times. But they're saying, however, some departments in St. Louis County allowed reserve officers to patrol without being partnered with the experienced officers. But again, they. They don't tell us the who. I mean, these are broad brush statements. They, they are broad brush statements, and they need to get specific. Right, exactly. So we need to know, well, which, which municipalities are you speaking of which, that do Which this? is really one of my points, Ellie, is that if this information was given to all the police chiefs and said, look at this information. What do we want for our region? What do you want for your neighboring municipality? Is this something that makes us look good as a region or as a, as a local county or as a city, what can we do to improve that? And then you let the improvements start from within. If they don't start from within, then do something from the outside. Exactly. Well, we know that fear sells. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I feel that this study really is. You know, it says, like, this not only leads to com- communities with fewer resources having compromised officers, but it breeds mistrust in law enforcement at large. While the residents of the communities policed by these departments bear the brunt of the problem, one need only be reminded that a driver traveling from the Galleria to the airport, and it goes back again, travels through 15 independent police jurisdictions. Well, again, I don't, I don't disagree with the data that they've collected. Uh, some of the conclusions I don't disagree with. I disagree with maybe uh, who was involved, who actually got to see this data of the people who actually do the work. That's right, exactly. That's kind of tantamount to, um, I guess, uh, let's use an educational analysis, that Information is gathered and teachers' opinions are totally ignored and they don't have any input into the data that's collected. But then there are things that come down from a board of education or an administration that says, you need to do this. And that happens in education all the time. Yeah, exactly. So here's the third area, fire safety. And they're going to leave fire safety alone. They're going to leave fire protection alone. They're not going to mess with fire departments. They stay by themselves. Fifth area, parks. They say we spend $117 million on 470 parks covering 16,420 acres. So what they want to do, they, they give an example of the cooperative between Brentwood, Maplewood, and Richmond Heights about this parks and recreation cooperative that, that would happen. And the sixth area is general admission, admission. <laughs> general, general administration. And this is, I think, one of the things that they really have pushed, that they say, gee, we spend so much money on the administration of a government that if we just put this government together, we would save money. And that's not necessarily the case. No. They say we would save, uh, you know, I'm just calling, recall off the top of my head, uh, $250 million if we did this. So what questions come out of this? Like one of the questions, are we going to keep our police force? Well, no, we're not going to keep our police force. Are we going to pay? What about the city's debt? We know the city has a whole boatload of debt. Are we going to be on for the city's debt? The answer is no, because what they've written is everybody keeps their debt. Everybody keeps the taxes to help pay for the debt that's going on right now. When that debt is paid off, then that tax goes away. So the city has to pay for all their debts. 
Matter of fact, they're going to lose their, they have that 1% payroll tax. That's going to go away at 0.1%, a tenth of a percent increments. A tenth of a percent, right. A tenth of a percent increments. And and also, when you you really look at this, I mean, what's going to happen to um, just our public services, our street services? That's That's an interesting one because... Because, you know, when, you, when it snows, you go into the city, the city only uh, removes the snow on the main streets. People on the side streets, you're kind of like on your own. Out here, guess what? They're out here salting. They're, they were out salting yesterday, and we just had a flurry, you know, here in Webster. But then when I come out, guess what? My streets are cleaned, and they come through, and they clean them on a regular basis. Some municipalities, which they wouldn't be municipalities anymore under this, some municipalities don't really have a lot of revenue that they can generate to have a street department, or maybe it's uh, a ver- one, one truck, a little bit of salt, and they watch and say, hey, you know, well, I don't know if we can get out on this one. That's we need right. to save it for a bigger one. Is one big uh, Public, street department, street, public right. works department, going to be more efficient, less efficient? How are they going to administer it? You know, usually you're, you're talking about satellites because they're talking about, you know, police department being one, you're going to have some satellite places there. You're going to talk about the government, where you're going to have one big mayor, but then right. there's going to be four little deputy mayors or mini mayors. Mini mayors. Mini me's. <laughs> mini <laughs> They were saying here that 29 municipal mayors in the St. Louis County were elected with 100 or fewer votes. That's because of when they're voted on. They're voted on in April. They want to move these elections to November when more people show up for the general election, the federal election. That's right. Exactly. We know that midterm elections generally attract fewer voters. That was one of the big issues that came out of the last midterm election. People, they were actually shocked that so many people came out for midterm. But again, if you've got people voting at all different times, yes, of course you're going to have lesser turnout. So, I mean, it's one thing to spout out statistics, but if you don't do the right job of identifying what does it really mean, you know, it's kind of like how we look at the Bible sometimes, you know, and one person reads the same scripture as the next person, but they, they interpret it in two different ways. One, you're going to hell and the other one, you're not. <laughs> okay. you know? Well, which side do I want to be on? Or, or as Mark Twain said, there's statistics, lies, and damn lies. That's it. Exactly. And so where, where, are, we where are we here? Well, it's the interpretation. And folks, if you got time, 180 pages, it's, it's very interesting. It, it is interesting as you, as you look through it. And, and I always read, read things it. critically, though. I read them with a critical eye, not saying, well, that's bad, that's bad. A critical meaning I ask questions. How did they come to this conclusion? Why are they using this particular language? It's written, obviously, in a, in a pro format for right. this task force. Because when you get to this one page, I don't, I don't know what page I'm on here, it says most troubling. Okay, so we've already given the scenario that we want to uh, identify. Most troubling is that this disparity is not naturally occurring. Rather, it is reinforced and perpetuated by St. Louis structure and the negative competition it spurs within the region. Now, I am sorry, but that is that is a statement that is very much propaganda. Oh, absolutely. Just the language. And it's again, it promotes fear. It promotes division. And it seems like exactly what they're supposed to try be trying not to do is exactly what this report does. Well, my point being earlier, here's the facts, folks. You know, we're all intelligent people. We all can read and understand things. At least that's part of what school's supposed to be about. You're supposed to be able to learn how to think. Here's the information. Matter of fact, we've talked about this. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to think. That's right. Give me the information. Let me think for myself. And I don't think there's a lot of stupid people in St. Louis County, St. Louis City, and the state of Missouri. I think they're very intelligent. And I think that and I think they they see things happen that they don't like and they will open their mouths and they'll they'll push back. And there's already discussion about people in outstate Missouri who are going to, you know, whoever has the best campaign ads and the flashiest kind of things and who spends the most money is going to win this thing. Yeah, exactly. And it is. It's about who's got the most money to put out the ads. And what's going to be left out are the real facts. And the facts in this report, Ellie, are good. The data that they collected is very good. Why not share that with the Municipal League of Metro St. Louis, with all these mayors? And why not say, what can we do to make this better? 
Right. What can we do to make our region better? What can we do to make it better for all of the citizens who are occupying St. Louis City and St. Louis County? Where can we level the playing field between blacks and whites in jobs, in uh, education? I mean, and they've also editorialized immediately. Fragmentation perpetuates itself. It is perhaps the greatest flaw. The fragmentation of the St. Louis region is reflective more of this fact than of a conscious choice to be structured in its current state. In fact, you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who, if charged with drawing the political structure for a thriving St. Louis region, would design anything remotely resembling its current system. Yet, it sustains itself by its very nature in several critical ways. Now, if I read that, that paragraph... My mind is automatically going to be looking at this from a negative point of view. Absolutely. So I can't possibly read on and and feel that it's objective. You've already shown me that in writing this, you've not been objective. Well, it was written to convince people, and it's it's kind of like written um, as a dissertation would be written to some degree, not not to the extent, but you try to convince somebody who does has no knowledge of the topic that. This what you're writing about is true. Yes. And I don't disagree with the data, again, that they've collected. I disagree with some of the conclusions that they've come up with and how they want to manifest those conclusions in reality. And then they start to talk about unusual municipal ordinances. Like, for instance, in Brentwood, phrenology. It says the prohibition on fortune-telling, palmistry, mediumship, phrenology, astrology, spiritualism, or clairvoyance, okay? And then they go into sagging, and that's in Country Hills. Pants worn by any person, regardless of age, should be size appropriate and secured at the waist to prevent the pants from falling more than three inches below the hips, causing exposure of the person or the person's undergarments. Obviously, they had a problem there. (laughs) That's right, exactly. Um, Here's another one. In Pagedale, outdoor cooking. Subject to certain exceptions, all persons must conduct barbecue cooking or outdoor cooking at the rear of the building, uh, the rear of the building line, or of any single family dwelling, multiple family dwellings, or commercial structure. So you can't barbecue in your front yard. That's because the person who was barbecuing in the front yard was living next to the mayor. (laughs) That's right. Okay, here's how about this dance permit in Berkeley. Every person or persons conducting or providing dances shall, except as otherwise provided, secure a dance permit. And it shall be unlawful to operate, conduct or provide dance without securing a dance permit. So, Chris, that means those wild parties that you have been throwing in Maplewood where everybody comes out dancing you are going to get you're going to have to get a permit. Well, he can do that in Maplewood because oh, they don't have that. That's right, but if you go to Berkeley, dude, you can't do it. See, that's part of the problem. We have all these different kind of ordinances and how does anybody keep that straight? Like if I went up to Berkeley, I wouldn't know that I would have to get a dance permit to and dance. <laughs> to dance. Okay. Well, folks, it's, it's it's almost, you know, just reading this is making me tired. Better to better get it together. <laughs> That's pretty good. Better get it together. So we're gonna we'll talk more a little bit more about this after the hour break. But there's also a report by the Public Policy Research Center at the University of Missouri St. Louis, an equity assessment of the St. Louis region, which I just want to highlight a couple things for you. It's very very good, and it's something that I think should be a discussion point of all of this information, and it should be something that we should digest. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Ellie Wharton, in the first hour, we were talking about better get it together. Oh, excuse me. That's better, right. Better, better get it together. together. Uh, better together. And giving you some information on that, it's a 180-page report. Done in, and, and I noticed it was in like font size six (laughs) i had to take my glasses off to read you know i tell you come on who's going to read through all of that well i want to say this the the data in there folks is very very good you can draw your own conclusions and we really didn't do we really didn't do justice to it talking about it it we're going to have terry jones on next week he's going to talk about it and talk about some other things but off air 
Ellie and I were talking about some things, and many of the things that you see currently going on in St. Louis City and St. Louis County are symptoms that have been treated rather than the actual Right. It's like taking an aspirin. Thing dealt with. That's right. It's like taking an aspirin and, oh, my headache is gone. But the, the problem is, is that the, the headache was only a symptom of a larger problem within your body. And right. the aspirin really did not do you any good. And, you know, as, as it goes back to the mission. The mission of this says, we support the St. Louis region by acting as a catalyst for the removal of governmental, economic, and racial barriers to the region's growth and prosperity for all our citizens by promoting unity, trust, efficiency, and accountability. But again, it goes back, and we've said it so many times on this on this program, and Dr. Terry Jones is one of the big people that really pointed this out, that the racial disparities and barriers in this community, this region, are symptomatic of the covenants, the laws, the barriers that have been put in place that created the problem that we are in today. And I don't see anybody talking about how to break down the racial barriers. Right, because you talk about what Better Together has, what their, their things are, public finance, economic development, public health, public safety, parks, general administration. And, and you can make the links that, yeah, this is going to help everybody in the county and the city. Well, you know, what we were talking on off the air, you look at back in the 1950s, even back before that, 1940s, you look at homes in North City, you look at homes that were being built in North County in certain areas around the airport, and you take the value of those homes, and you take the value of some homes that were out in Ladue or Clayton, or University City. And then you fast forward 60 and 70 years, okay, from 1940, fast forward 60, 70 years, we're 2010, all right? Now what are the value of those homes? The value of those homes in the north parts of the metropolitan area have not gone up hardly at all because of poverty, okay, They're in, and because of redlining, okay? But what about the property values of those homes in University City or Ladue? Well, they've skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Okay, so let's talk about wealth that can be passed on. When one generation pays for the house and they want to pass that wealth on to their kids by selling a house, well, what's going to happen up in North City, North County? Not a whole lot. So now you have municipalities where the values of of real estate or homes is not what it is in other areas. Well, they were charging property taxes. Well, I can't get as much money generated to have the services for our little small village or community or third or fourth class city or whatever we're going to be calling ourselves, our village, village of Floridell Hills or whatever (laughs) those things are called, city of Calverton Park, which has, what, 152 people in it, things like that. I don't have enough money to do these services or farm the services out, but gee, you've got a place like... Chesterfield or even Webster Groves or, you know, Richmond Heights, they can get these services because their property values are higher, so they're getting more property money. So then comes along a change in the law where sales tax, local municipalities can charge sales tax. So in Webster Groves, we charge a sales tax. You go to Kirkwood, it's another sales tax. You go to Brentwood, it's another sales tax. You go to Floridale Hills, if they've got any kind of place where they can generate some money, they're going to have a sales tax too. Well, now all of a sudden, gee, Brentwood's getting this haul off of Target, okay? Which has, because that is a special tax district. So that when you go to Whole Paycheck, I mean Whole Foods. (laughs) Whole lot of money. Whole lot of money. And you go to, in that region, you're going to pay an additional, I think it's an additional 1% sales tax on top of the sales tax that that, that that and I've seen that on my, my bill. When I saw that on my receipt, I was like, wait, and I started going to Lucky Market right up here in Rock Hill. Because to go to Brentwood and go to Whole Paycheck, then you've got to spend an additional 1% sales tax on top of the sales tax just in order to go and shop there. That's crazy. That's crazy. So then you have like a little community up there in North City because they don't have the, or North County, they don't have the real estate values. They don't really have any kind of commercial development to charge sales tax, they're struggling. And you have other communities like Chesterfield, who they're really 
cleaning up now because of down in the valley, down in the valley. Down in the valley. And now you've had this sales tax pool developed to distribute some monies a little more, quote unquote, fairly. And you have a group like Chesterfield saying, well, you know, we contribute a lot to this and we don't get as much back. Well, you know, what about the group up there who is really struggling? Okay, so what they do is they say, hey, we're going to charge fees for barbecuing in your front yard, or we're going to charge fees for you getting a permit to do a dance, or, gee, we're going to charge you, we're going to fine you if your pants are sagging too low, if you don't know what we're talking about. Listen to the previous hour. Or, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> or we're going to charge you a fee because our speed limit is 20 miles an hour, and on any other side of us, it's 40. But we got a speed trap set up because we need to generate money for our little village here so we can pay for some services for the people who live in our community. Oh, gee, you didn't show up for court. Now we're going to put out an arrest warrant for you. Now you're going to have to come to court and we're going to charge court costs. Oh, gee, if you can't afford it, then we're going to charge you this or charge you that. So now you have all of these other things that have gone on that have piled on, which are actually band-aids on this situation. But the situation is way, way back, the racial divide in this community, in this city, has always been huge. The redlining, we've never addressed any of that. I don't think, how does this, how does public finance address that? How does economic, I can, I can, I can make the link with economic development, but it's mainly for the region. Exactly. It's not for individuals. Because from the regional standpoint, when we're going after large corporations, we can now say that we are a region of what? 1.3 million. 1. 3 million versus the saying that we're St. Louis City and we've got 225,000. So, uh, and I remember this happening. I'll tell you where, I, where a good correlation was when I left St. Louis and I went to Birmingham, Alabama, because there ha- they had what they call a market collapse in the television market. And so Birmingham was one market, and then down the road, Anniston was another market, two very small markets. They collapsed those markets so that they could have a larger market to be able to attract larger advertisers. Now, did that collapse actually help greater, you know, or assist in greater coverage, news coverage of the local area? Because guess what? People in Anniston or, you know, people that were 60 miles down the road, did they really care about what was happening in Birmingham? But it was the same group of reporters that now had to cover 60 miles down the road here, 60 miles down the road here. And it, di- it just didn't make any sense. But again, it was for economics. It was not to serve the community better. Okay. I want, I want to give you another analogy. <clears throat> Everybody's favorite person in St. Louis, Stan Kroenke. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, okay. man, we love to hate him. That's how we're united. We love to hate him, right? Okay. So he owns a soccer club in England. And he's totally demolished them. He owns, at least he still owned, as far as I remember, the Denver Nuggets basketball team, the Colorado Avalanche, who were a big, big team, Stanley Cup winners. He owns now the Rams, you know, and when they were here. You mean the Lambs? The Lambs. The same, well, excuse me. The, the, Los, the Los Angeles, Angeles Lambs. Lambs. Yes. But the point being, you know, we had won a Super Bowl. The St. Louis fans are good fans. And i.e. the coach hiring uh, Jeff Fisher and not producing a team that was winning. And here's my thought on this. Okay, if you and, and we all know this, he let the team lose so he could say the market's not good there. I need to move them to Los Angeles. Well, okay, so he moves them to Los Angeles. All right. Well, we all know they were in the Super Bowl this year. Okay. Is that, but, is that the other team that was in the Super Bowl? But I tell you what, you know. The television share in Los Angeles was the second to last of them watching the Super Bowl. Well, here's the other thing. I don't think he cares about the Rams either. Here's what he's all about. He's about getting that stadium built because he's like Jerry Jones. Whenever I watch a game, I'm just watching the Dallas Cowboys play in that stadium down there in Texas. I'm watching the National Championship NCAA football game. I'm watching a couple... Uh, SEC games that go on down there. I'm watching, you know, some Big 12 games that go on down there. I'm watching like an NCAA basketball thing that's going on down there. 
He's building that not for the Rams or not for the Chargers. He's building that for national championship game. All these ancillary things where he can really, really make the money. Make the money. Having the Pac-12 championship game down there, having the USC-UCLA football game down there so they don't have to have it at the Rose Bowl or the Coliseum. Oh, come to my stadium. I can get more people here. You know, blah, 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 blah. It's all about using that facility, having the Super Bowl there. Super Bowl is going to be there. That's, That's what he wanted the football team for. He couldn't build a stadium if there weren't any football teams That's there. right. So the football team is ancillary. It's a means to an end. That's it's an right. ancillary thing to him. All of these sports teams, now I'm just supposing, but I'm just saying, it's what it looks like to me. And so when you're talking about this, I, I see... Where's the benefit here? Right. And I don't see a solution. I don't see them saying, well, okay, we're going to, as a result of this, now we're going to make sure that we've got bigger malls up north. Or we're going to have, you know, a spreading out. Well, we know that malls are dying. Or we're going to make sure that, gee, uh, there's some grocery stores available. Right. We don't have to go to malls. Because, like I said, that's not a good example anymore because we know that the year of the mall is is dying, you know, all over the place. And so now we need to look at those things that help to sustain a better quality of life. Like you said, better grocery stores. You know, what, yep. what, is, what is the economic development going to be for that particular that's area right. that is, my words, blighted? Right. How is it going to create jobs? That's the key thing. Jobs for the residents in the area, not just fast food. You know, lines and lines of fast food where young people look at that and say, you know what, for the money I'm earning here, for the grief that I have to put up with here, I'd rather do something else that maybe is unsavory, you know. But if we're not creating pods of employment, and that's the key, so that people can get to jobs easily. I don't want to have to get on the bus and ride for an hour in order to get to a job. Well, that's one area they completely left out of their Report, transportation. Wow. Imagine that. Well, we've got Metro. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> wait, don't even get me started Don't on get that. me started either. Don't get me. Let me ask Chris. Chris lives over there in Maplewood. Hey, Chris, do you use uh, the Metro Link to get to work here in Webster Groves? I have not ridden the Metro Link uh, one time yet. No. Not one time. Yeah. Okay. So even if he did ride the Metro Link from Maplewood, he'd end up in Shrewsbury. Then he'd have to take a bus. Yeah. He'd have to take several buses to uh, get you, here. Well, it'd probably take him two hours. If this was New York, there would be a subway under Manchester and under Watson. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> that's, that's right. Exactly. That's correct. And it would but actually get us to somewhere. You talked about jobs from this uh, report, an equity assessment of the St. Louis region. Economists, business leaders, elected officials increasingly recognize that inequality is hindering economic growth and racial and economic inclusion are the drivers of robust economic growth. To build a strong next economy, leaders in the private and public sector need to advance an equitable growth agenda, a strategy to create jobs, increase human capabilities, expand opportunities for everyone to participate and prosper. Equity will make America and the St. Louis region better. So they talk about some demographics. And these are just basic demographics that the largest population from 20 double to 2010 was the Latino population, okay? The population growth estimates, so between 2010 and 2040, the Latino and Asian populations are forecasted to experience the largest population growth, upwards of 127%. Native American, African American, see modest growth, white population, a reduction of 7%. People of color, their contribution to growth. The white population has traditionally grown, has driven growth in the region over the last 20 years. The trend is reversed. People of color are now the driving force behind growth in the St. Louis region. The racial generation gap. This is very interesting that this age gap has been consistently growing over the last 30 years. There's a 10% point gap between youth and senior people of color in 1980. In 1990, it was 11%. In 2014%. And in 2010, 17% point difference. So bridging that racial generation gap is increasingly important to support a strong workforce because we've got, there's there's no middle ground in there. That's right, exactly. And those communities where you find the young people of African-American descent are not providing the jobs close enough to home that it would make sense for people. If you're making, you know, $11 an hour and I'm spending, you know, $40, you know, a, a week to get to work, th- that that is not good math. Oh, th- there's something coming up related to that. Okay. Economic vitality, wages. 
1980, the median wages for people of color was $6 less than the median wages of white workers. So currently it's $5. So this economic inequality of wealth or income within a country is referenced by a coefficient. And the coefficient in St. Louis region falls in the middle nationally. You know, Kansas City is 0.01% better. We're, we're at the same level as Baltimore, a little bit better than Pittsburgh. And jobs and GDP, growth, uh, domestic product growth, suffered across the St. Louis region after the recession. And post-recession, the region still not recovered completely. Job and wage growth, this is kind of what we were talking. From 1990 to 2012, job growth in low-wage industries outpaced job growth both in middle-wage and high-wage industries with an increase of 16.2%. So the low-wage jobs really increased. Okay. So we're talking the fast food restaurants and exactly. the little, the little running to mom and pop grocery stores, things or, or, like that. Or piecemeal kind of factory stuff. Factory stuff, that's so right. So the region saw a reduction in the number of jobs in middle wage industries and only marginal growth in high wage industries. But listen to this. While low wage fields saw the greatest increases, the highest increase in earnings per worker was enjoyed by high wage industries, which had an increase of approximately 32.3%. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> that is huge. That's the like, highest increase in earnings per worker was enjoyed by the high-wage industries by 32.3%. White-collar workers. That's right. Exactly. Woo. Unemployment. So, you know, St. Louis has always, over the past decades, experienced uh, some traditional lower-average unemployment rates compared to other metro areas, and I'm sure that's something that Better Get It Together may have in their report. However, unemployment's not a racially equal problem in the region. People of color consistently experience higher rates of unemployment than white workers in the labor force. So in 1980, 7.3% higher points higher for people of color than for white workers. And, uh, and then let's not forget, go back to that 32.3% increase in wage for the white collar worker. Right. And now unemployment rates in 2012, you know, this is older data, folks, but we're they're looking historically from 1960. 6.1 for White, 12.3 for people of color. You look at economic vitality, home ownership. This is the one. This is big. This is huge. This has to do with, you know, that transferring of, of wealth. Right, transferring of wealth. So in 2012, the white population in the St. Louis region had the highest home ownership rate, 77.7%. African American had the lowest of 43.6%. Out of 150 metro areas sur- surveyed, St. Louis region ranked 22nd for highest rates of home ownership. If you keep going... Readiness, education levels, and job requirements. Uh, This is the estimates for the year 2020. It estimates 67% of workers will have some college or higher. 42% will have an associate's. 33% will have a bachelor's degree. You know, we've got youth that are kind of disconnected. We've got housing burdens where this means individuals are spending more than 30% of their income on housing. What group is spending more than 30% of their income on housing? Well, it's the African-American population. 39% of the homeowners are spending more than 30% of their income on housing, whereas compared to the white population, 22%. And they have higher wages. 60% 60 of the population are renters, African-American, compared to the white population of 43.3%. Neighborhood poverty rates are critical. 16.7% of African-Americans live in high poverty neighborhoods, double the rate of the next largest group, roughly 0.6% 0.6% of white families live in poverty neighborhoods. Car access. This should this should actually maybe be need, be labeled um, transportation access. Absolutely. 21.3% of African Americans in the St. Louis do not have access to a vehicle, which reduces access to education and work. Disconnected youths, unemployment rates, white population has the lowest rate of households without access to vehicle with 4.7%. GDP gains with racial equality. Economists estimate that 2012 GDP for the St. Louis region would have been $151 billion more if there had been no racial income gap. So and if so I lo- they feel that this is supposed to be helped uh, by this Better Get It Together group, or by this proposal, this, this, this proposition? This is a totally different study. I came on this, and I was looking at this, and I was like, you know, this is the kind of information that the mayor groups, that really people need to be talking about. This is the kind of stuff that the media needs to be talking about. We need to talk about some solutions. How are we going to approach that? Now we take the data from 
better together, and we say, now we have all this data. We have this report from University of Missouri-St. Louis Public Policy Research. We have this data from Better Together. What do we as a region need to do? Mayors, community people, people, public people who listen to the radio station 92.9 FM, KWRHLP, and listen to this show in tune. What do you think about this data? Let's talk about this. Do you want it better for somebody on the other side of your street? Well, yeah. Do you want it better for your neighbor? Yeah, you want to have a nice community. What about the people who don't have those same kinds of situations that you do? Do you want it for them? Or it's like, lots of luck where you live. Too bad. Too bad. You know, that's the way it works, you know? And the way that it's kind of written, it it, it, it almost makes it seem to me, and maybe I'm a little biased on this, that they're trying to say that if we do this better together thing, then minority groups are going to just do better. And they didn't say that. <laughs> they, But they engaged youth. That's, and a lot of the youth were black, and, and it's this it's this visual, it's this facade, but they're not the only group that does this. Right. Okay? Right. A lot of groups, when they want to promote something and get something passed, they promote the image they want to promote. And again, it goes back to what Dr. Jones had said in the very beginning, that the problem that we have now, first of all, it didn't happen overnight. No. Okay. It, it took decades of redlining, decades of covenants, decades of banks not giving out money, you know, not making loans, not doing those kinds of... I mean, you just look at just right here in Webster Groves, okay? On one side of Brentwood, you can buy a home here for 150000 You go straight across the street. And the houses are over 300,000 yeah, right here in this community. And that leads to things such as, you know, the speculators coming in and picking up the homes and putting a little bit of money, buying the homes for probably less than 30,000, putting maybe another 30,000 in it, and then selling them for 150,000. And so because you have white families that want the school district, the low crime, and all the things that Webster has to offer, now they come and take over the neighborhood. Or better yet, they buy it, knock it down, and build a big mansion on it. There you go. And you're, then you start to really change the neighborhood. Exactly. And so when we start to talk about what happens up in North County, where, again, we look at what is really up there. You've got some of the big box stores and things like that. But other than that, in the neighborhoods, where do you have opportunities for employment? Well, you know what's lacking, Ellie? That's not mentioned. They mention it in report, but it's been lacking for years in our region is strong leadership. You know, they talk about strong leadership where they want to give all of this to one person who is the current county executive. And, you know, don't get me started there. No, 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 don't start on that one because that that will lead us into a rabbit hole that... um, We'll still be traveling for the next (laughs) 10 years. 10 years. And, And, you know, that's another point is what kind of timetable are we looking at? They, they lay out their timetable. They lay out when they want to vote on this during the general election in 2020. Right. But I mean the timetable in terms of us beginning to see a turnaround. Oh, and uh, I think it's uh, 2022. Oh, come and on. And then uh, 2024 is when the first, like, quote unquote, new, I think it's the new council is is uh, put together for the governance. But that timetable, it's it's in the back. They have a timetable all laid out. My whole point is, there's a real strong lack of there's a, there's a lack of strong leadership in the region by individuals in the political realm, by individuals who are in the position of making changes or leading changes or influencing groups to say, hey, this is something we really need to look at for all of the people, not just for a select group, not just for a business group, not for a civic group, or whoever, not for some sports team or whatever. Let's look at this. How is this going to impact and make this better for our citizens? And there is a real lack of leadership in the area for that. Yeah, I agree with you there, Arnold. Well, on that, I'm going to get off my soapbox for the last hour and a half and sit down. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.